Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tiantian. We're going to speak to Global Food Corporation Cargill today. And in case you're wondering, we are not going to talk about commodities here, but instead we're going to talk about their ocean transportation unit, with the company being one of the world's biggest ship charters. Now, the company is seeing several developments relating to its cargo shipping business of late. It signed a longer-term charter deal for two dry box ships, which will be. Del- Delivered at the end of 2025 and also at the start of 2026. But what do the developments suggest about the demand for shipping services and the longer term opportunities in the global cargo shipping industry, which is expected to grow to 13.2 billion tons in 2028? Well, let's pose these questions to Lim Yingying, Ocean Transportation Lead for Asia Pacific and Managing Director of Cargill Ocean Transportation Singapore. So, Yingying, welcome to the show. Thank you and happy Friday. A happy Friday to you as well, Yingying. So, uh, Yingying, most of us might have heard of Cargill from time to time and we tend to associate it with the commodity business. But tell us more about Cargill Ocean Transportation. What's the unit's value proposition and business model? So Cargill is a global food and agriculture company with assets presence in 16 countries, 250 locations. We connect farmers with markets, customers with ingredients and people, animals with the food they need. So considering that most food miles happen on water, our ocean transportation business unit facilitates the global movement of food and other vital cargoes via bulk carriers, which can range from sizes as small as 5,000 tonnes to new customer access of 185,000 dead weight tonnes. We have, at each point in time, around 650 to 700 long-term chartered ships on the water and each year our ships make around 4,500 voyages and move around 200 million tons of dry and wet bulk commodities around the world out of which only 20% are in-house cargoes and the rest of the 80% belonging to our third-party customers. So as a cargo owner, commodity Mm -hmm. trader, freight trader and also vessel operator, Cargill has a unique market perspective. We are able to combine our best-in-class operations with expert trading in both fiscal and financial freight markets. Who are Cargill Ocean Transportation's customers? What do they want transported? And uh, what is the duration of such transportation contracts? Sure. So although we move dry bulk and wet bulk cargoes, I would say we are the world-leading dry bulk freight players. And we also carry in almost all industries you know, a range of products uh, and goods ranging from grains, oil seeds, sugar, salt, to iron ore, coal, bauxite, alumina, steel, cement, clinker, locks, wood chips, and liquid cargo such as edible oils. Our customers uh, ranges from the big mining groups to the small to medium-sized miners. Um, It can be agricultural companies like ourselves, uh, food producers, logging companies, um, even real estate companies that requiring cement and clinker. So it's a variety of whoever requires freight that needs to be moved in bulk. Right, and uh, Yingying, I want to take a step back to look at the global ocean transportation landscape. Is it mainly made up of large MNCs and how do you position yourself in the ocean transportation or the cargo shipping industry then? Well, the global shipping landscape is actually very highly fragmented with thousands of players throughout the value chain. 
So just looking at the supply side, there should be easily hundreds of bulk ship owners today, ranging from the smaller ones who owns less than a dozen of bulk vessels to the bigger owners who have a fleet size of uh, a couple hundred ships. So from the cargo demand angle, we're talking about thousands of freight charterers in the market. These are the people who require to move cargoes. The maritime sector actually has been going through a period of significant change. Since 2029, we saw the market has wrestled with overcapacity, reduced financing, generational change in ownership structures, digital transformation, increased shipping and carbon regulations, stricter mm. sustainability targets, and also disruption to the trade flows from the macro swing factors and geopolitics. So in 2020, the COVID pandemic has actually created new levels of uncertainty, and the need to be agile has never been stronger in this industry. So in Cargill, we see our role within the maritime industry to be the freight provider that will help our customers to decarbonize their supply chain. We're making investments and working with industry partners to create a variety of solutions that combine mm. digital technologies and other innovations to make shipping more sustainable. So we've invested in uh, Zero North, a provider mm. of voyage, vessel and bulker optimization software to accelerate the use of digital solutions to decarbonize shipping. Uh, Ying, you did mention a lot about sustainability and we, we will touch on that later on as well. But I do want to take a look at the demand side of things. You mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic and last year we do have the uh, conflict in in Ukraine as well. So I do want to find out how is the demand for ocean transportation services or cargo shipping like right now as compared to the early days of the Russia-Ukraine conflict? So uh, when it started, we know everything came to a standstill for export and uh, to a certain extent then import into Russia and Ukraine. But with the Ukraine grains export deal, there has been an increase in shipment out of Ukraine since late last year, which is a good thing because we know this region plays a significant role in the global food system and is a critical origin for key uh, ingredients such as grains and wheat, which are found in most basic staples like bread, infant formulas and cereals. I see. And on that note, right, Cargill has signed a longer-term charter deal for two dry bulk uh, ships, which will be delivered at the end of 2025 and also at the start of 2026. Uh, what are the reasons for this? What longer-term opportunities do you see in this industry? Um, this particular dry bulk ships, I think uh, we need to highlight that it is a dual fuel methanol ships, dry bulk ships. So through our partner, which is Mitsui and Company, we have undersigned a long-term charter of these two new built methanol dual fuel Kamsamax vessels. And they will be the world's first two methanol dual fuel bulk carriers to be built in the Japanese shipyard. And we know that green methanol is a net zero carbon fuel. Hmm. We know that green methanol is being manufactured today, but however, the yeah. uh, uh, the bulk, you know, the uh, bunker supply chain is still being developed. Hmm. So uh, in terms of uh, bunkering infrastructure, it is not there today. But with the right. number of methanol-capable vessels on orders is growing, as a result, I think we expect the availability of methanol as a, uh, a bunker fuel to grow in parallel. However, it is much expensive, uh, much more expensive than, than the current shipping fuels. But we do have faith in it because uh, we believe mm. it's uh, probably the next transitional fuel. Yeah, and you mentioned about methanol being slightly more expensive. But uh, staying on the topic of sustainability, Yingying, Cargill is stepping up a push to resurrect 
wind power for cargo ships. And according to the president of Cargill's Ocean Transportation Division, using wind, that could reduce emissions by up to 20 to 30 percent. Fuel consumption will go down by 20 to 30 percent as well. That's an immediate payback on the investment. To what extent do you think wind is a more uh, viable source of energy to look at, given its impact on top and bottom lines? Sure. Um, even though we're charterers, well, we are not afraid to be development partners or investors. Transformation will not happen without taking risks and uh, making investments in new technology. The cost of fuels that could contribute to a zero carbon future may still remain high, even in the next decade. So that's why I think we look into developing, testing and improving wind propulsion technologies before these fuels are available could reduce you know, uh, quite a bit of reliance on them. We're talking about 20 to 30% uh, carbon emission reduction on a relatively cheaper asset that could be retrofitted on current vessels today, depending on the designs, and be integrated into the new built vessels. So, for example, Cargill, we will be the first to install wind wings. It's a technology, patented technology, which are large solid wind sails with a potential to deliver double-digit percentage reductions in emission. And the performance of these sales will be closely monitored to further improve their design, operations and performance. With this pilot project, I think mm. we're looking to uh, use it in our scale-up across our fleet and also we'll be sharing it with our industry partners. Right. And uh, to sort of start to wrap up our conversation, uh, Yingying, Fortune Business Insights expect the global cargo shipping market to grow to 13.19 billion tonnes in 2028. We're talking about a CAGR of 2.5% in the forecast period. Uh, do you agree with the assessment and what is the number one trend in the market right now? Well, I guess there are many variations of published report we're reading today, with growth forecasts ranging from Kegel of 1.5% to 4.7% by 2028 or 29. So overall, we do believe in the growth story, as evidently, you know, there is an increase in trade as, uh, agreements between countries, aiding in the growth of uh, freight forwarding markets. We are actually also seeing a steep rise in e-commerce acceptance across the globe owing to the rapid urbanization and increase in purchasing powers of the world population, at, you know, which at the same time is also accelerating the growth in warehousing and new ports development. So the recent years of experiencing supply chain disruption have actually made most countries realize that they need to expedite on diversifying their origination and stockpiling of uh, staple food and critical production, well, critical products or even the feedstocks. Mm, so I can imagine increased demand for your services as well looking ahead. So uh, what are some future plans for Cargill Ocean Transportation business in this regard? So the uh, first priority, which I think we are very committed to, is uh, safety, which is you know, to send our employees home safely at the end of each day. We will continue to modernize and improve the safety and efficiency of our vessels. So as a charterer, we are uh, rarely a vessel owner. We do not manage crewing. But we are conscientiously working hard with all the stakeholders, such as the ship owners, the ship management companies. As part of this, we are also systematically checking on how long crew has been on board vessels and proactively requesting that vessels change routes to mm. allow for crew changes. 
Right. And uh, well, before we let you go, Yingying, it is International Women's Day weekend. We want to pose this question to you. How is it like for you to enter into the maritime industry? And uh, in what way have women provided alternative views as to you know how the business should be run? So for shipping, we know shipping industry for decades has been predominantly a male's arena. Though we can see the parity is shifting more in the younger talent pipeline. So when I joined Cargill Ocean Transportation five years ago, uh, I came with two decades of career background in leading agriculture and metals trading teams, but without deep shipping experience. So I'm very happy to be able to work for a company like Cargill that actually recognizes my success in other adjacent industries. I don't really see specifically that women will be providing a deferring or an alternative view on how shipping business should be run. But I think that there are enough statistics proving uh, proving that there is a direct correlation between diversity and uh, business performance. So, mm. for example, in Cargill's executive team, out of our 13 executives, seven of them are female. And in Singapore, we achieved gender parity in our ocean transportation team in 2022 with a breakdown standing of 55 to 45% today, which is female to male. So we did not intentionally push HR to simply hire more females, but rather we hire and promote through merits and fair assessment. So the intentional part is actually how we adopt fair and just practices to ensure that everybody starts with equal access to opportunities. All right. Thank you very much, Yingying. That was Lim Yingying, Ocean Transportation Lead for Asia Pacific and Managing Director of Cargill Ocean Transportation Singapore. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.